Welcome to Victory in Faith Now podcast, episode number seven. Well, welcome. This is Reverend Philip Hughes, and I'm here again in the Victory Studios. And we're about ready to start episode number seven. Listen, this is going to be a very interesting one. Let me give you the title on this. It is 12 Answers to Questions About Demons. As an example, some of the questions that we're going to be answering tonight, questions like, can a Christian have a demon? Does the presence of sickness and disease always indicate demonic activity? Can a person be possessed by more than one demon? Can devils see what we're doing? Should you talk to demons while calling them out? How much authority do we have to keep devils off our property? Will the devil try to return after he's been cast out? And an additional one or two, like, why do demons want to inhabit human beings? How, for instance, do you stop demonic activity that is causing believers to hinder the work of the church? And can demons manifest themselves in the physical realm? These are just some, but most of, probably the questions we will be answering tonight. And we are here in the Victory Studios. This is Phil Hughes with episode number seven, entitled, 12 Answers to Questions About Demons. Welcome to Victory and Faith Now with your hosts, Reverend Philip and Kay Hughes. This is a ministry podcast show where you'll hear teachings on how to expand your faith and build your authority in Christ regarding spiritual warfare. On occasion, there will be time for you, the listener, to call in live. Our show will include testimonials, special guests, and special guest hosts. Also, with programs that will teach you the uncompromising Word of God. So, if you're looking to obtain knowledge and rock-solid teachings regarding such subjects as the occult, witchcraft, the origin of evil spirits, angels and demons, generational curses, Satan, the Holy Spirit, the power of prayer, the blood covenant, healing, faith, authority, and much, much more, then welcome to Victory and Faith Now! You can also visit our website at www.victoryandfaithnow.org. And now, here's your host. Reverend Philip and wife KU. Well, here we are. We are in the studios right here at Victory Studios. And going to have a very interesting program here today. First question, though Can demons manifest themselves in physical realm? Answer to that yes. Let me give you a little explanation. Good example is this. Although we have authority to stop these supernatural manifestations, 
There was a minister who dealt with this here in the United States. He was building a church in the Philippines at that time, back in the 1950s. And the story goes as this. It says that he had heard on the radio about a girl who would fight with somebody and was wrestling around and could see through people that she had uh, had tooth marks and saliva on her skin. And she had been confined and put into a jail cell to protect herself. This doctor uh, of theology and physicians also had examined her, asked her this question. They said, what is causing you this, this issue? Why are you being bitten and what is biting you? And she said that there are two hairy-looking monsters, one big and one small, and they're attacking me. And they were demons manifesting themselves in the physical realm. Of course, she was not a Christian. Now, this minister, at the time that he was down there, wanted to find out a little bit more information about this. And so he had gotten permission to go to see her. So when he first uh, entered the jail cell... The devil supernaturally spoke through her in English. Now, remember, this was in the Philippines, and she didn't speak English. So the devil said, I don't like you. The devil cursed him. He cursed God. He cursed Jesus. And he cursed the blood. This minister got the girl delivered. He communicated with her through an interpreter, and he got her delivered. The devil had spoken out of her mouth supernaturally, and these tooth marks were real. That wasn't the girl talking to uh, this minister in English. I don't like you, he said. I was the devil. So the devil can do some supernatural things. But thank God that we have authority over him in the name of Jesus and in the power of his blood. So yes, they can manifest themselves in physical realm, just like angels sometimes appear in human form. Question two, why do demons want to inhabit human beings? Well, a very good question. For one, they need to, or in some inhabitant that could be positively breathing or in some manner have life. The answer in general is demons are fallen angels, they're fallen beings, They're disembodied spirits. So, to have the widest possible range of expression, they need to operate through the physical. That's the reason that they want to embody man. As a second choice, they'll embody animals. When they do embody man, they make man what they are. Example, they influence them with... Temptations like drugs, alcohol, pornography, occult, spiritualist. You know, it's lust. It's a force. It's what it is. It's uh, whatever the demonic activity or supernatural spiritual being is, that particular demon is what they try to embody that person to become. Anyway, to answer your question, that's why they need to. And if you remember in the Bible... When Jesus cast out the demons from the individual who was, he ended up saying, or they ended up saying to Jesus, you know, 
cast us into the pigs. The reason was is that they needed to have some type of embodiment. And so he allowed that to happen. And then you know what happened there. The pigs ran off and ran into the lake or the, um, the water and drowned. So, again, spirits need to embody something so that they can operate. Next question. Okay, the question is, how much authority do we have to keep devils or demons off our property? The answer, all you're going to need. Here's how. The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ has more authority than most of us realize. Demons will not act upon presence where they know that they have authority over them. A missionary, for instance, in the Philippines, had an incident that happened on his property. He had moved there on an island that was supposed to be the very surroundings of what they consider to be a place for the high satanic activity or demonic activity. He was building his home on that island while he was trying to establish a church. And he was planning to live there. During this construction, one of the carpenters who had worked, the, the villagers really were helping him and they were working with him, started hollering. And when he went to see what was going on and what was wrong, the man was thrashing around on the ground like he was wrestling with something. He was yelling, get him off of me, get him off of me. The missionary saw something rip his pants leg and apparently had looked as though there was bleeding coming from it, from what appeared to be bite marks on his hip. I said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let him go. This is my property and you have no right here. So I command you to get off of my property. He said these things and then saw that the man was let go and apparently the spirit had ran off. So you see, if you are a Christian, you're God's property and no demon or any spiritual force has any right to God's property. So the carpenters, the, the rest of them, they got afraid and, uh, and and took off and they didn't want to come back and work because they were afraid of the demonic activity that was going on there. The missionary had told them, no, no need to worry. I have already cast this individual out. There will be no more problems. That spirit will not come back. A witch doctor had shown up and tried to kill uh, a chicken or a pig to spread the blood so that he could appease that particular demon. The missionary told him, no, I'm not allowing that, and I'm not allowing you on my property either. And I refuse to have you come back on my property. Okay, the devil knows who you are, and they know that you have a, a power and authority over them. They will sit around and laugh at you if they think that you are not going to exercise that authority. The carpenters was off work, the, the one that got injured or that got hurt by this particular demon, and he was gone for quite a while waiting for his leg to heal. He couldn't even walk on it, but everything eventually worked out, and he came back never to be attacked again anymore. You see, when we boldly resist the devil, he has got to flee. The Bible tells us, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Another word for that word flee is to run away. So, if you're looking for backing that up, which we like to do, in the word, 
the Bible, you just open it to James chapter 4, verse 7. Okay? Next question. This question is, does the presence of sickness and disease always indicate demonic activity? The answer, yes. And here's why. The devil behind most all sickness and disease. But that doesn't mean that there is a literal presence of an evil spirit in a person. The scriptures tells us that even Jesus, he talks about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's in Acts 10, verse 38. He didn't just single out certain ones and say that they were oppressed or because that brought on a certain sickness or uh, remains in the body and enforces sickness so that uh, demons has to deal with that. Partially because they're assigned to certain things. You'll have certain demons or spirits with certain sicknesses and diseases such as cancer or the spirit of uh, alcoholism, uh, whatever it might be. But the whole thing starts and comes back around to a full circle here from the beginning in the garden. Adam and Eve opened the door to sin, and sin and sickness are synonymous. They're hand in hand with each other. So obviously, the only way to get around that was that God sent Jesus, and Jesus ended up taking care of a lot of that as he came in to, since, in a sense, becoming the second Adam, and did away with the old laws, a lot of it, and ended up dying for us on the cross for the sins of the world, so that by us accepting him, he gives us forgiveness and wipes away all of that, and it's clean, and his blood shed, that blood gives us authority, and his name gives us the power. And with that, we can defeat the enemy as well, because he, de he defeated him first. So, next question. And this is a good question. People a lot of times will ask this one. Can a Christian have a demon? Now, this, I'm probably going to get some ministers that might be hearing this. is going to go, okay, now we're getting on some weird stuff here. And depending on what this guy is going to say, most will say no. But the truth of the matter is, it is yes. Now, he cannot or they cannot, as a Christian, be possessed by a demon. But let me explain. There's a lot more here involved. There is no such thing as a Christian being possessed or demon-possessed. But to be demon-possessed, first of all, means to be completely taken over, spirit, soul, and body, by the devil. And that is not the case with Christians. First of all, if you are part of the body of Christ, you cannot be possessed. But it doesn't mean you can't be oppressed or obsessed in some other areas where that demon can have influence on you. Remember the man that was in Mark 5? Of course, if a person who has been saved backslides, he is over then in the devil's territory. By yielding to the devil, he could be taken over. But there is no such thing as a Christian being demon-possessed completely. Influence? Yes. 
A Christian, on the other hand, can be oppressed and, like I said, even demonically influenced in some manner. We've dealt with many Christians who have either been in the body or in the mind where there have been spiritual forces that have influenced them. And you'll find that where activity is. And a person could backslide and deliberately walk away from God. And the devil could eventually take over a lot of his spiritual activity. But a Christian walking with God cannot be, nor will ever be, in the devil's clutches completely to the point of being possessed. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. In Ephesians 4.27. So something we need to to realize is, is that the degree of oppression and possession and obsession varies accordingly. We aren't even going to get into that in this particular program. Later, we do have a course, though, that we're going to be, or not a course per se, but a message in which we're going to be giving on oppression and possession, obsession, and depression. I have the Holy Spirit, but how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? You see, that's the question. You can have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? You can walk in the walk, or you can talk in the talk, but are you doing both? You see, you can be halfway or fully yielded to the devil. Some of you are talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. Okay, next question. Can a person be possessed by more than one demon? Now, we're not talking about Christians here. Answer? No. Only one evil spirit does the possessing. When Jesus went to the country, the Bible tells us that there met him on the shore who came out of a tomb, a man with an unclean spirit, Mark 5, 2. Notice that the scriptures say spirit, singular. Now, verse 15 tells us, And they came to Jesus that was possessed with the devil and had a legion. But now listen, you see, those demons didn't have possession as far as being possessing of him. Only one of them was possessing him. He was possessed with about 2,000 devils or demons. He was known as a legion. And the others were in him, but only one of them possessed him. And that was the demon called Legion, who basically brings with him about 1,500 to 2,000 other demons. You have only one controlling spirit. So to answer the question, no, only one can possess a human being at a time. But there's a lot more that can be in there who have activity or can create certain issues or problems. But there's only one controlling spirit. Once you know who that is, or you can deal with him, the rest will have to leave as well. Next question. Okay, question seven of the 12 questions. Should you talk to demons when calling them out? Answer, no. So your thought is, well, wait a minute. How can you call them out if you're not talking to them? Well, hang on a second. Let me explain. You see, you can make commands of them, but don't be holding conversations with them. Okay, so as an example, when you get into the presence of those who are fully demon-possessed, 
from that moment forward, they will recognize you like they did me. I've had several of them that know me when I walk into the room. But don't let them talk. You're not allowing them to talk either. Ever notice that Jesus would tell them to be quiet? There was no scripture in the New Testament where we have ever found or ever held a conversation with demons. I've never seen one in where, anywhere where he spoke to them and just held a conversation with them. Now, he commanded things. He spoke to them. He asked them a question, like maybe a name or something of that nature, but that was the extent of it. You see, there are many kinds of spirits. There are deceiving spirits. There are lying spirits, religious spirits, homosexual spirits, lesbian spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, and many, many more. I mean, alcoholic, drugs, um, pornography. It just goes on and on and on. But I will tell you the truth. Some of those spirits smell. They have an odor about them. I've walked into a room and have had uh, many times where I have known someone there had a spirit about them. The spirit of death is an example. Sometimes they have an odor. I can smell it sometimes when I've gone into a room. To cast demons out, you sometimes, but not always, need to know what kind that they are. So first, you'll need to have them sometimes tell you who they are. If you command a particular demon to do something and he's not responding, ask them, you know, who they are. Cast them their name. You remember when Jesus was casting out demons out of the uh, demonic man. He had asked, you know, what is your name? And he answered, Legion. So, again, those are situations where sometimes you can speak to them, but don't hold a conversation. Okay, that's that one. And we're moving to the next question. I hope you're enjoying this. Also, another good question. In dealing with demons in a person's life, what is the next step for them after they're delivered? Answer, he needs to get into the Word. He needs to get into a church. He needs to study the Word and give his testimony as often as possible. Let me explain. When a person is delivered from the sickness or the disease or from the devil or from anything... Uh, he immediately needs to be pushed into a discipleship. I don't mean forced. He needs to get into a church where his confession and testimony and service of the church will become active. We can follow the example of Jesus out of Mark 5, who tells us that when, when he went with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to the country and was immediately met by the lunatic a man completely possessed by a demon. Jesus had delivered him, and the man had been completely delivered. His entire appearance and his countenance, everything about him, even his clothing, has changed. Before he had been a wild maniac, and now he was seating himself at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. But in the 19th verse of Mark, Five, it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you, and have 
compassion on thee. You see, Jesus knew the man's needs, and he needed to be pushed out for discipleship. He needed to confess. He needed to make his testimony known and to find service. So immediately he went out and to spread the good news and deliverance of his own, of himself, and therefore he went to his hometown and he spoke to all of the friends and the people that he knew of what great thing Jesus did for him. This was a testimony. This helped him grow. I'm not saying that they won't need help. I'm not saying that they can't or don't need a more mature Christian to help them out at times. But even baby Christians have authority in the name of Jesus. God wants people to grow. He wants us to grow up spiritually so that they can stand on their own two feet. He wants them to take their place in Christ knowing the name Jesus Christ belongs to them and as much as it does any preacher or evangelist. They can put the devil to flight. Amen? Jesus tells us in Mark sixteen seventeen. Let me read that to you. Okay, in a little bit more English way of understanding this, let me read this. It says, Then he, talking about Jesus, said to them, he was speaking to his disciples and those who were around him besides the disciples, You must go out into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. He who believes that it is what you say is baptized and will be baptized and be saved. But he who disbelieves, it will be condemned. These signs will follow those who do believe. They will drive out evil spirits in my name. They will speak with new tongues. And they will pick up snakes and it will not hurt them. They can drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands upon the sick and they will recover. So, let me give you another verse. Okay, now this verse is in John fourteen twelve, verse 12. And Jesus is saying here, Truly, truly, he says, I am saying unto you, that he that believes in me, if you're a believer, now this means you. He's not speaking strictly to his disciples. He said, otherwise he wouldn't have used that phrase. He wouldn't have said, to those who believe, he said, if therefore, he says, truly, truly, he said, I say unto you, that if you believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, for I go unto my Father. So he left the disciples and us, every one of us, with the same power and authority that he had himself. So again, we have no need for fear of the devil. And yes, the fact is, is that when you're dealing with demons, in a person's life, what is the best thing to have them do once they're delivered? Get into the Word, get into a church, become baptized, maybe become baptized with the Holy Spirit, and be able to take authority in their own life so that they don't have to be concerned about the devil coming back and trying to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Okay, next question. Can the devil or demons see what we are doing? Answer, yes. Let me explain. I'll tell you a little story about Brother Kenneth Hagen Sr. This is back sometime early years when he was ministering in around about the area of Texas and Oklahoma. 
uh, in his younger days. And this is a story that he once told, and it's also in one of his books, actually entitled Bible Answers to Man's Questions on Demons, Volume 4. And in this, he explains something, and this is what he said about this particular question. Okay, he was holding a meeting earlier in uh, his life at a particular location at some churches down in the southern part of, uh, of Texas. And he said, when I arrived at the motel that they were putting me up at, one of the main deacons of one of the churches called me and said, Brother Hagen, I hate to bother you, but I know that you know something about these things and you deal a lot with this kind of thing. You see, my son, who is 37 years of age, is on drugs and alcohol. He explained that the young man would go wild and wouldn't stay home. He was basically homeless. But he could come back once in a while, and mostly he just kind of wandered around. He didn't really have a home of his own, and he wasn't married. When he would come back, his parents would take him in and help him out. But at times he would throw spells and throw fits. He would break furniture and break holes in the walls. And He had uh, returned that day and was basically living there at the house, and he was having some kind of a spell, and he may have been high on drugs. The deacon said, I don't know what to do. I hate to have him put in jail or arrested, but I told him I would go see him. So when I got up and I went to the home, the son was sitting on the sofa. I never had met him. He was moaning like a little kid. He was holding his head in his hands, and he looked up at me, and he said, I know who you are. I saw you when you came into town this afternoon. I saw you when you came down that side street and turned into this street. I saw you when you uh, came to the church. He said, yes, I know. I know you did. And he said, I know who you are. He said, you're a lying spirit. He said, you've got this man and you are a liar. You've got him in drugs and alcohol. And I rebuke you. The devil in him watched me come down that street. He saw me when I came down that street. But thank God we have authority over every demonic spirit in the name of Jesus. And we have nothing to fear. So he worked on that boy. And apparently, I guess he had cast him out. And the boy got straightened up. Got back into church. We want to thank God for these kinds of power and authority that Jesus left us. Amen. Next question. Will the devil or demons or evil spirits try to return after they have been cast out? Answer. Yes. You see, the devil always will in endeavor to go right back to the place and where he left. That is spiritual principle. Matthew 12 Actually, 43 through 44, those two verses. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return unto my house where hence I had come from. And when I come and find it empty and swept clean and garnished, but when things don't work out the way it's supposed to, those evil spirits will return back and come in and bring seven more that are even worse than him. 
So if you get saved, the devil will try to get back in into your life, and he'll try to get you back into the wrong things or doing the wrong things. If you were delivered of sickness, he'll try to put that same sickness back on you. And Matthew twelve forty five tells us, Then goeth he out, taking with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and then enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first time. In dealing with demons in this life, the Christian, you must be careful to get the word into the people. They need to get into a church. They need to find some place that teaches the word. Otherwise, you're going to go back to them, basically be doing injustice to them, because they may wind up even seven times worse than they were. So if you're not familiar with how to deal with them, don't try. Get somebody with a little more experience and get in there and work with them, and you'll be able to get that thing cleaned up and cleaned out. Those demons have to obey. And in the power and authority that you have, and in the name of Jesus, it will be done. Next question. It is how do you stop demonic activity that is causing believers to hinder the work of, of the church? Answer. For one, a lot of prayer using the power and the authority of the blood in the name. But if anyone is harassing or intimidating, embarrassing or deterring the ministry of the church or any minister, then you know that that's got to be the devil. You don't have to have a discerning spirit to be able to determine that. You don't have to see the devil in actual action. You're already there and aware of it. You don't have to know that it's supernaturally being caused, because it is. That's just the devil. He's also known as a religious spirit, creating havoc in the church, causing splits if necessary, and issues, arguments, frustrations, and bitterness. Personal experience of my own, I remember when I first pioneered the church in California, there was a, a group of people that wanted to get on the praise and worship team, and we had a very small one at that time. And I was looking also for a, a person to do some teaching for Sunday school for the children. And so this one lady volunteered and was very good at what she was doing. But in it, she had a controlling spirit. And what ultimately happened, we had a small account with a Bible bookstore in town. And we set it up so that they would bill us once a month. And what we would do would be go down there and we would pay that bill for particular items that we needed for the church, whether it was for bulletins or material for the kids and so on. And I had gotten a phone call from that manager of that store who said, I had a lady from your church come down, and she said that you had authorized it and wanted to pick up a bunch of things like crayons and coloring books and things of that nature and a couple of DVD videos. Well, at that time, it was VHS uh, videos for the children's church. Well... I didn't want to put any kind of change on that that would create an issue for us at the, at the uh, Bible store. Truth is, I didn't authorize that. She took it upon herself to do that. And when I was confronting her about it, she got irritated and upset with me, saying, well, you put me in that position. I have responsibility and authority to do that. I said, no, you have responsibility, but not authority. I have to let you know what, when you present it to me, that we can afford to buy at the time. Anyway, one thing led to another, 
And I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm putting it in your hands. And ultimately, that afternoon after service, I was laying at home in, uh, in my chair, kind of dozed half off. The phone rang, and it was her. And she said, I've been thinking about this, and I just feel led that maybe I shouldn't be in that position. And my answer was, well, you know, that would be good. Maybe you're right. Therefore, we both came to an agreement. We turned it over to the Lord, and the Lord dealt with it. Amen. So I'm just saying that if you have this kind of an issue, there's a lot of different things going on that can happen in churches. And so if people are being harassed, ministries in the church, or people are being stopped to doing what they need to do, you need to stop in the name of Jesus and tell that person that they need to come to the person of authority and let them deal with that. Believers can unconsciously yield to the devil and be used by the devil so that he can cause create and create issues in churches. It doesn't mean that they're unsaved or demon-possessed. It takes time and experience to learn not to yield to the devil. So, pray up. Use the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Next question. Question 12. Last one for the evening. Does God tell us to pray that he'll do something about the devil? Answer? No. Let me explain. You see, the scriptures tells us that we need to resist the devil. It tells us, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4.7 You is the understood subject of the sentence. Peter says, your adversary. 1 Peter 5.8 Adversary means enemy, opponent, or one arrayed against you. Yes, you've got an enemy, an opponent, and one who is arrayed against you. Satan is the god of this world, seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say that you will be devoured. It says he seeks someone to devour. He can only do anything or whatever to you if you allow him to, if you don't know your power and authority. Peter's writing, where addresses, uh, he addresses this to the Christian and not to the non-Christian. The non-Christian doesn't make a difference. Satan's got him where he wants him. It's the Christian that Satan or the demonic activities that he sends out to harass and create problems is for the Christian. He's after them. He wants to create havoc and injury or problems with them. So the enemy, the, the adversary, in other words, the devil, the demons, is not walking about seeking how many sinners that he can get. He may devour or whatever. It is the saints that, it's at, that he's after. So what are you going to do about it? Well, stick your head in the sand. That would be a good idea like an ostrich, and pray that maybe he'll go away, roll over, play dead, like a possum. Or some have even said, I'll just wait and maybe it'll all go away. Or some will say, I'll just write a request for one of those big television evangelists to pray for me. No, stop being that mamsy-pamsy crying Christian and stand your ground. You have power and authority. Seriously. We have to take authority over the devil. Thank God that we have authority over him. We don't need to get someone else to do something that we can do on our own. 
you know, you can do it yourself in the name of Jesus. Remember, Paul said, never give place to the devil in Ephesians 4.27. That means don't you give the devil place in your life either. Here's the bottom line on it. God gave us Jesus, and Jesus gave us power and authority in his name and in the blood. Amen. So with that, I'm hoping that you got some enjoyment out of this and some entertainment out of it. I I believe and pray that you got fed some knowledge, maybe things that you weren't aware of before, that you can go away with and be able to even give some of this information to other people. Let's spread the news. There may be uh, a few of you that would like to know some of the other programs that we're getting ready to come up with. And that I'm going to let you know about in just a couple more minutes. First, we'll let our announcer come in and say a few words, and we'll be right back. We thank you for the time you've spent with us on this episode of Victory in Faith Now. Our desire is to honor God by promoting victory in your life, by teaching that all can be healed according to the word of faith. Also, by reaching out to the world, to all in need of Jesus Christ. Reverend Phil and Kay Hughes seek for you a deeper spiritual walk of faith, power and authority for all who know Jesus is Lord, and salvation for all those who don't. May God's very best be yours. Now, a closing comment from your hosts, Reverend Phil and his wife, Kay Hughes. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I'm glad to um, say that we've enjoyed another episode for you, Episode 7. And we have got some upcoming good things we want you to get involved with with us. Also, and first of all, we want to remind you never to forget to go to our website, You can reach us at uh, www.victoryinfaithnow.org. You can subscribe to us there. You can also find us on YouTube, and you can subscribe there. You can also go to iTunes and subscribe, and also, if you would, give us a good rating. Maybe five-star would be great. Soon we will be doing some Twitter. Don't forget, we are putting together our Facebook, so you can go to Facebook and like us. Just many, many things that are coming up. We are working on getting on to Stitcher, for those of you who know Stitcher. And so that's just a few of the things that we're going to be doing. Not necessarily in the order that we're going to be giving them to you, but these are some of the ones that we will be coming up with, so you can look forward to it. Names of Satan. Letters from Lucifer's Army. Are there male and female demons or evil spirits? Genesis, the beginning, things you don't know or may not know in the first two or three chapters. Health tonic is faith. A little bit of information on health and healing. How to wound demons. Mustard seed faith. The spirit of fear. We're going to be getting into some names of spirits and demons and tell you what their origin, where they came from, and what their basic function is. We hope to see you real soon. We will be starting probably in a few hours, episode 8 for you. Go to our website at www.victoryinfaithnow.org. By the way, if you want to leave an email for us, you can do that as well by also just emailing us at phil 
dot K, that's P-H-I-L dot K, K-A-Y. So you can just go to Phil dot K at victoryinfaithnow.org and leave us an email. We'll be happy to get back to you as soon as we possibly can. So lots of good things coming to Victory in Faith Now. So right now it's time for me to say goodnight. So God bless you. Until tomorrow, we will see you then. And remember, keep the faith.